improvement of this background now don't look at nothing that's not supposed to be there just act like the whole background is the background because step by step we get in there we're, we're getting there i'm getting it together day by day that's and i appreciate you i listen i appreciate you for for not embarrassing me and choosing just a white background because you could really stunt and flex in your house and i appreciate you coming down and doing the white background to, to not let your girl look crazy out here. And so thank you for holding me down for these last few weeks as my background has looked insane. So. That's what friends are for. That's what friends are for. Hey, <laughs> All right. So this week's episode, this week's episode is about da, 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 parody. We're going to get into what that means. If you don't know what it means, you just wait. You'll, you'll, you'll figure it out in a second. Um, we got a few stories from the world uh, to get into. Story number one. Get it. So this week, Mayel is it's Mayel, right? Like I looked it up. Mayel Organics got bought by Procter and Gamble. I that always causes an uproar, especially in the black community, because people uh, their only relationship to companies being purchased is an immediate. The quality is going to change. It's a sellout situation. It's a, you know, all these things. Uh, and so it's like, oh, we can't support them no more. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, it makes me cringe because people literally just don't understand the entrepreneurship and how much money it takes to run a business the way everybody deserves. Everybody needs to go back and apologize for Lisa Price for what she did and opening us up and opening our businesses up to being able to be on these main stages. Like there wouldn't be no textured hair care section if it wasn't for Lisa Price. And I will, I will go down swinging on that. Cause girl, <laughs> how many times you need an edge control and the beauty supply store ain't around, but you need to run in target real quick. Why I got to go to 75 Absolutely. stores to go get my little shampoo just to make sure that I have something or I have to wait to order online or come on. It's convenient as hell to walk up in the CVS's and the Rite Aid's and everything and grab some shampoo while you're doing all the other stuff. Absolutely. I definitely think we have to give Lisa Price her flowers because she, you know, she was the first, one of the first to do it. And then definitely you have to give you know, Monique and Melvin, her husband, their flowers, because they broke history in terms of, like, investment. Like, we know that black women are not getting capital. They got $100 million investment. 100 million. And then $100 million, right? Well, we know that less than 2% of black women can raise $1 million. And then to be bought by Procter & Gamble, I mean, you gotta, you have to give them the recognition well, because... And, and they retained, they retained creative control. They are going to be an independent subsidiary. Y'all worried about stuff changing. Silly, make your voices heard. Don't say, oh, I'm not going to support it no more. Because now the voices of the softer hair and everything. Because don't let the wig fool you. Y'all see this edge? 
But when the sisters, when the sisters with the with the softer hair go through it, they start writing their emails like, "Hey, I actually need this in my shampoo and all of that." When those voices get louder than ours, that's how the recipes change, because they've been able to re- retain control. So how dare y'all go up on Beyonce internet talking badly, talk, calling her a sellout? What? Piss me off. I'm yeah. Pissed off Even I mean, just sitting here, I'm thinking about. You know, Lisa Price, Monique and her husband, Rich with Shea Moisture. So we've yeah. had three founders show us that it could be done um, and that have been bought by three major companies, right? Um, so for me, I'm just like, that puts fire under me. You can't tell me that it's not possible because we saw that. We see it, right? And like, faith is believing before you see, but now I know that it's possible. So I'm, I'm like, you just got to keep going. Right. And it's just the importance of knowing your vision, I think, which is so important and what that end looks like. And I always say start with the end in mind. That's the biggest tip I could give anyone, because I didn't necessarily think about that. I just jumped in 90 days and now I'm like, oh, I know what this looks like right at the finish line. So my energy is different, even in year 10, because I've been up for 10 years. I have the same creative energy that I had 10 years ago. And I know a lot more now. And, and I'm going to make it fun. So we have to give them their flowers. And I'm like, it's just a blessing to be able to see it. Because sometimes when you're on this journey, you, you start teetering the line of like, can I really do this thing? Like, is this too crazy? Is this too far-fetched? And it's like, nah, you have to do it. Because one, I've, I've seen people that have done it. And we've been in rooms with these people. Right? Like, that's another thing. So we've been in close proximity. I know that you've spoken to Lisa. I walked up to Rich at CBS Black Business Conference. Right? So, like, we're not that far removed. It's possible. But I think we got to talk about understanding entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and what that really is because this, you know, just misinformation. Right? And entrepreneurship is how many times can I sell something over and over? Right? How many times can I scale this? When you talk about scaling, how can we make this work nationally, globally, regionally? Um, it's hard. And, I, you know, people always laugh because I'm obsessed with Chick-fil-A, right? And I think we've talked about that before. But Chick-fil-A is a great company to show, like, you know you're going to be greeted with my pleasure. I don't care what state you've been in, the way they operate that line, efficiency. Like, I've spent time in Chick-fil-A's drive through just asking questions. Um, so, you know, when we talk about entrepreneurship, you know, and there is something to be said about family owned businesses, right? Like if you want to pass it down to generations, there's something to be said about businesses that you want to grow, sell, scale and sell. And you know, know? I'm actually, I want to, uh, like we have it as, as our third story, but I want to, I think we should move into right now because I think this is a perfect, perfect segue into it on, um, specifically black entrepreneurship is uh, about a little bit more than just specific just capitalism right and there's actually this are you know you know your girl love articles i'm a dork um it's in the harvard business review and it's about how 20th century black leaders envisioned a a world of entrepreneurship as more than just capitalism and i think the the quote that kind of stuck out for me the most was as um, as they studied the uh, the owners and the executives of, of these companies, they noticed a pattern in their management philosophies and actions that 
showed a love for community that just loomed and permeated through their business. There, I mean, I would love for everybody. I, we're going to put the link in the bio to, to read the article and everything um, to really understand how entrepreneurship a lot of times can be a pathway for us to impact our communities, not just in this like capitalist, like, you know, the Elon Musk, it's me and forget all of y'all or how we see these like head billionaires that don't care about nobody, don't care about the workers that's trying to crush the union and, you know, but, and crush the union, not because, and I don't want to say crush, well, I'm going to say crush for them, but I think there are other times that, you know, that that may come up in even smaller businesses where, you know, it's about how we most effectively like reach our employees and not just this idea of like, no, I don't care about y'all work for me, make me money, whatever. And, and a lot of black businesses, it's like, we want to do this one to take care of our families personally, but also to positively impact our communities. I know when I walk into business, uh, like conventions and stuff like that, that I'm always meeting entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs and especially black women entrepreneurship entrepreneurs, which the article definitely gets into, uh, how much the idea of like, I need to have a positive impact on my community comes up. And so when I, when I pair that with the opportunity for someone to get a hundred million dollar investment into their business, I think of how they can impact their community. She already with the $100 million, right? There's already a setup for foundation and not and, and a lot of these times it's not just for like to placate sometimes that happens but especially in our communities we really be out here doing it like when i talk to these it's a difference you can walk into the rooms like a lot of the times it's just like oh i want to write a check just to get this right off of my taxes when i talk to black women and black men entrepreneurs black male entrepreneurs i'm like they are passionate about changing their community and impacting their community for the for gen, for the most part like i really have not met a lot of just like stingy out of that that is so rare for us you know one people can't aspire to be what they don't see right so i think as black founders black ceos black entrepreneurs we want you to know like that we made it and a lot of times it's like our community our families our friends that are like cheering us on and you know we want to do better for our community because we know that like we don't want to be alone in this we want you to feel uplifted we want you to like we want to pour into we know that if we pour back into the community that means that everybody's gonna level up like the level up is not gonna be just me and I think that's so important. I'm, I'm even, as we're sitting here thinking, I'm thinking about like the things that I've done with no money, right? Like I wasn't making money like that, but I took, you know, the little bit of profit I had or whatever I had. I was like, yo, we're going to do a barbecue, right? We're going to do a back to school drive. Like, I think that's the beauty in, in entrepreneurship, you know, particularly with black founders is that we do the most with less. And we just find a way, right? We rally together and we talk about human capital all the time, right? Like our network, our friends, and it's like, let's do it. So, yeah. and it's important. I mean, and I think it's really important 
to be um, critical of the of the structures because it is about more than just capitalism and pushing capitalism forward, right? Like a lot of the times we've been very powerless in changing uh, the systems that are in front of us. And there's going to be some of us that got to do this business thing to, to fuel and power. Like we're recording today on Martin Luther the Kang Day. And it was, it's really important to ground a lot of what his uh, work was about in how he felt about the financial health of our community as well, right? Sometimes, yes, very, like, it can be anti-capitalist because it has to be, because there is a lot of more, a lot more humanness that needs to go into this capitalist structure, right? Like, not to get too deep on it, right? This is the part where you would like take the Dr. Umar with the eyes and like the jet, <laughs> the jet Not out, Dr. right? Because I'm saying what I'm trying to say is no, but but truly, I think when we, I think black entrepreneurs, especially that are here now, we have an opportunity to really transition and break what our businesses. Um, break into what our business can can do for the community and to break what the structures are that keep us in this in this state. We're going to talk about parity and I'm so excited to have this conversation with none other than my friend but also a founder and successful businesswoman in her own right. You know, it feels so good to be um and a new wig owner. Please put that in your speech when you talk about me. <laughs> Because I have never had so much joy in my life like I've had trying on wigs. Short wigs, long wigs, curly wigs, straight wigs. I am having so much fun. And I am so upset that it took me to get to this big age to explore (laughs) wigs. But we are here nonetheless and looking great. So uh, parody is a very, very, very important subject, right? Like... I think we talk about entrepreneurship so much, but what is the reality of entrepreneurship? The reality is unless you trip up and find a bag of money that can support your own personal lifestyle and whatever dips and dabs that your business creates, you most likely going to have a job or you going to be coming from working a job and transitioning into your business. And when you start your business, you're going to have to develop systems to ensure that you have parity. So what is parity? Melissa can read better than me, so we are going to give her <laughs> the state and the definition. <laughs> Why, thank you. Parity, the state or condition of being equal, especially regarding status or pay. I can, I'm going to talk about my little... Uh, engagement with parity right because everybody's always talking with entrepreneurship like oh i'm working somewhere i don't feel like i'm being fairly um i'm fairly paid i'm about to leave my job and yes but or yes and is the the negotiation you have to do in business what with your customers with your vendors whatever requires you to face tough things and push through them rather than saying, oh, you can't always shut. Sometimes you have to shut down and try a different way. 
but you can't always run to that. Um, and I know something that really powered me with my negotiating skills was my experience with parody when I was working at DHS. So right when I started Harlem Chocolate Factory, I got a job at the Department of Homeless Services and my job was paying me $25,000 less than what they offered me at the interview. When I signed up, <laughs> and I started That's on my wild. first day, wild. And when they said it, like when I was signing on my documents, I was like, oh, the, um, the pay number is off on this document. It was a, several life lessons. Don't sign the paper if the number ain't right. That was my lesson. And um, it was $25,000 less than they offered me in the interview. And I was like, and it, really, it was really like, oh, they can fix that upstairs. It's nothing like, hey. So I'm just like, okay, trusting little doe-eyed girl. And it was a, like a nine to 11 month process with me actually having to sue to get my starting pay that was this there was another person in my exact position in another department who was just so happened to be a white man and he was making that amount that they had offered me in the interview because that's the amount that the job was supposed to pay and he had no reports i had was managing two people and we were doing the same work it was the same title same everything but I was just paid $25,000 less. And my boss actually taught me about like going and ask for parity. And I'm like, what the, what about asking for parity? <laughs> like, and I know it can be a little different in like private businesses, but it's really, really important to, ne- it's, and it's unfortunate that you have to negotiate for what you're worth. But I mean, when I say they dragged me through that ringer on like, why why you feel like you deserve that? Deserve is mm-hmm. what you're supposed to pay. And I at the time was the lowest paid manager in the building. Oh, wow. we got a uh, we got a tidbit. Assad is in the background. If you stayed at that pay for the rest of your career, that's one million dollars less than you would have made for the rest of your forty year career. I know you're fucking lying. I ain't never even think about it like that. (laughs) I never even thought about it like that because while I was working at DHS, I was also working on Harlem Chocolate Factory. And so them playing with my pay, I was like, oh, I can't stay here. Because if if I have to negotiate with you for the amount of money that you're supposed to pay me, I was actually thinking I needed a raise for what I was doing. (laughs) Like, because I'm doing mad work, actually. Like... Y'all, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing so much work. I can't stay here. Like, I, there's no way. And I have this. I thought it was like a little sign from God. But the idea that if I just would have been nervous, which, you know, like people were. Like when I started talking to other women around, whatever, like they have been paid. I'm like, oh, girl, that's not even. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's so crazy how we're locked out of even what that process looks like to ask for what we deserve and when you're fighting for what you deserve you can't even ask for what you feel like you're worth yeah and i it wow i'm just like the million dollars less is the million dollars less is wild you know i want because this comes up a lot in conversation i want women 
particularly to feel comfortable about speaking about money um, and asking for what they need. And I think like, I think sometimes it's a little off-putting when I'm having conversations with people because I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm about to do this. And, you know, yeah, I want to, I need to raise this. And, you know, 500000 could get me here. And people are looking like, I remember I said I was going to raise a million dollars. And people were like, what? Like, are you? And I was like, people are raising this every day, right? But, like, not even coming to market. So it's interesting and, in like, hearing those conversations. And I'm glad that we're having these conversations to, like, shift the narrative. I'm a firm believer in asking for what you want, showing up, um, you know, negotiating. I think definitely in entrepreneurship, you learn that superpower because particularly being a black woman, people will try to play with you. All the time. Right? And you're like, wait a minute. You know? Um, and I'm just like, okay. Okay, no problem. You know, like, but you have to have a plan. Right? And I think about my grandma. She says, have a plan and work your plan. So, I definitely think to someone listening that um, is being underpaid or feeling undervalued, I think you should ha definitely have a conversation with your direct report or your, your supervisor or manager. And I think when you have these conversations... Um, you want to show how you're impacting the company, right? So know those numbers. If you've driven sales or directly increased the bottom line, pull up those you know examples. Because even for me as a business owner, I'm always looking for how can someone impact this company and be better. I've, I've recently learned like I'm not trying to pay the least amount of money to get the most amount of work because the good people actually do cost, right? They come at a higher price point. But if you're in the business and you're showing like how you have driven results, put it out there and, you know, listen to that feedback. And if that manager or that leader doesn't say like, you know what, I'm definitely going to see how we can, you know, figure out some type of bonus or if it's a pay increase or, you know, negotiate. If you want to go to a four day work week, right? Like whatever you want, be clear on what you want and intentional, write that down. And then bring it to them. And if they don't value that, it's time to start looking for someone else because there's somebody else out there that could use your skill set and everything that you do in your warehouse that's willing to pay you what you deserve. Um, I think as a manager, I would react to someone, you know, asking for more pay. I love that, right? I'm all about like, tell me how we can make this better. Tell me how you have not only I always say like how has it impacted the company the community and the staff right if you could tell me how you've made the staff's life easier um you've increased our bottom line and made the, the clients happy we're good right and we'll figure out a way like i do give random bonuses sometimes you know we do have bonus structures um last year was so insightful for us because we started looking at like the pay structure for our staff, right? And we set up a fair pay model. We started looking at like mental health, the work week, how are people getting paid, compensation and tips, mental health swap days, like all of these things because, you know, I thought about me as a business owner and everything that I sacrificed in opening the bark shop and the pandemic actually got me to slow down. Like I remember speaking with Jess and I was like, yo, they're gonna, we're gonna be shut down? I actually can use this time to think about all the things that I wanted to create it in the company and I'm going to just go for it. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch a little bit of Netflix. But then after that, like, I am going ham on all the ideas I had in my notes 
to like bring it to fruition. So, you know, and it's hard when you talk about that transition from going from contractors to employees and payroll expenses. And like, I had to sit down with my CFO and we really looked at the numbers and we're like, okay, what would it take for us to get here? But what I realized is that my staff was happier, uh, which in turn allowed us to provide better service. Um, the culture of our store, like I even had the exterminator the other day say, oh yeah, well something else I want to tell you. And I was like, oh what? And he's been with us for like eight of the 10 years we've been open. And he was like, I just want to tell you like, and being in the store when we were doing the extermination, like your staff is so happy and I can see like how well they work together and they actually love being at work. So like, I was like, wow, thank you so much. And we had our like weekly staff meeting first week in January. And that's something that I shared, right? Like I didn't say who specifically gave us the feedback, but like seeing the team and like being on the ground and willing to do that work. There's no, there's no I in team in my company. And I love that. And I scaled to 26 and then we scaled back to 10. Right. And that was a painful learning lesson, but being able to come back in the company, you know, rebuild the company. Cause it's something to be said about somebody who like could almost feel like they're losing everything and then rebuild it and then make this great thing. Um, and now we're looking at like, as we grow and scale and open more stores, we wanna continue to build a brand of like, people want to work for us. So thank you for coming to my TED talk. Yeah, yeah nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so Jess, like, I wanna know about your experience as a manager and reacting to someone asking for more pay. You know what? I, um, we, we had this happen before and it was like it was um I wish you would have asked sooner because I think there's a big difference between like even a small business and a micro business like when you're going through this process and I think you need to be aware of the process depending on what size of business you're in right the bigger Mm -hmm. the structures the more uh veils you might have to like knock through to get it right your direct manager might be a psychopath or whatever and there are other people and don't be afraid of like kicking up some dust to to gather some attention around this thing that needs immediate attention right like i want to stay here and do my job but i can't do it unless i'm paid at this rate But remember to be mindful of your actual experience and what you are contributing and not just your emotional attachment to what you feel like you should be making or you desire to make. Um, And that's why parity is important because what are the other people in your position being paid? And so Mm -hmm. don't don't just go in and assume you're being undervalued, underpaid. And that trickles down to like being in a smaller business where... Ain't no HR department. Ain't no nothing. If you are unhappy with what you're being paid, you need to speak immediately just so we can address it. And I know that there are times that, you know, it was just like hard to communicate because I'm moving so fast and I'm going here, whatever. And, you know, because of the discomfort around talking about things, it's like you want to ease into it. And it's like, girl, you need to call me immediately and say like, hey, yo, uh, I feel like I want to raise or I feel like, you know, the the amount of work. And it wound up being a 15-minute conversation, like a raise. Oh, let me look at this. Like, oh, hell yeah. Like, we actually, I had planned to do this anyway. Just forgot to, because it's so, so much hustle and bustle. It wound up working out. for So 
the way that you can find out uh like what other people are making i believe now this is where we need to uh I need to consult my homegirl at HR, which I'm about to text her right now. <laughs> so you can... Like, when you're in you private definitely companies... Look, you can look... So every private company, because I've worked in big corporate HR, um, there is a pay structure and scale, so you can, you know, request that. New York State, actually now, for positions, companies have to disclose the salary. They no longer can just... And it's wild, because if you go on, like, Indeed and stuff now, you'll see it says, like... 96,000 to 300,000 like they have these huge variances um and also you could go on Glassdoor and look at like national averages or look by position so there's tons of ways that you can figure out like how are people getting paid um and even then you speaking right I was just thinking about like where I was prior to working with the HR consultant or bringing actual like a HR in-house person in um there wasn't a pay structure, you know, set up or anything like that. So we had to build all of these things. Um, and like, if you're a small business listening, like don't feel intimidated. Cause it, I think that's a, a entrepreneur superpower is like how quick we have to adapt and like learn. Like we go to business school, like in 24 hours, sometimes it's like, damn, that just hit me, but all right, take it. Let's take it and apply, you know? So if you don't understand the pay structures or things like that, like, that's okay, right? Like, if you can't afford an HR consultant, Jess was like, oh, let me hit on my homegirl, right? No. So, like, digging into your network, because sometimes you don't have the money. Like, I did not have the money to pay for an HR consultant. Or like, And it was even wild, like, okay, I'm taking my profits and I'm reinvesting back in my people, right? And a lot of people, especially when you speak to people in HR, HR consultants, they're like, we're so happy that you're doing this because so many people don't see the value in HR or like, I don't care about them people, you know? And it's like, no, like people are the most important element of your business. Like great people build great companies. So you have to take that time out to learn and listen to like, you know, what people are looking for. We did a survey and we were asking people like, you know, what do you love about the company? What would you rate the company? Like all this stuff. And it was like all of these high marks. But then it came to like, would you refer someone to work at the company? It was like a one or a two. And I was like, yo, we just said like, it was a great culture. You love it here. So I was like, well, I want to explore this, right? Because it was totally anonymous. And we had our team meeting. I was like, well, I want to explore this because we did high in all these other areas. But why would you refer someone here? And they were like, because the people we know are trash. And we know the expectations that you have for the company. So we wouldn't refer them. And I was like, wow. Because in my mind, I'm like, so they wouldn't refer people like they don't love it. So I had this one perception. And then when we had the conversation, it was like, no, we know the expectations and the standards of our company, right? And we use we, our, like those are our words because everybody owns this at the bark shop. You know, there's no like, oh, I work in this department and I don't help out and no. So you want people that like see the value, you want to pay people appropriately, and you want to have real conversations to say, hey, because I've had those conversations too. I can't afford to pay you this per se right now. I will circle back when we have the funds. Or what is the lowest amount? What's the least amount that you can work for? Like, can we find wiggle room, you know, in this? Or like, can I compensate you in other ways? Can we give you days off? Can we like, you can get really creative with compensation and pay. I think now more than ever, like you can get the most creative with parity. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> exactly. So, and but I think it's really important, especially like when you're going into these positions, to be mindful of the company that you're going into, right? You're not gonna it's not gonna you cannot have the same conversation with me that you're going to have with Amazon. Baby girl, where you want the money to come from? Like if you're say like we have to be realistic about what the thing is in terms of what we're asking for. And a lot of times because we've experienced life being so undervalued that we shy away from true opportunities to grow and be independent because like when you see that paycheck, it makes you feel less than because it's not this big, huge salary. But girl, when we there and you, you take it on with, with your stocks come to, it's going to hit different. And so I find a lot of times, especially when people come to me like, oh, okay, like I want to work, I want to whatever, but you're unwilling to kind of meet me where I'm at. And it's not about me not valuing you. It's not about me, you know, um, thinking of you as less than. It's that experience you've had throughout your entire career that is telling you that no you gotta you gotta you gotta always hit that number and i there's also like livable wage and all that which is totally understandable but um you really want to address those the feelings you have around your pay when you kind of scale down to working for like a micro business versus when you're having uh you know these conversations with these big corporate entities it's just basically what i'm saying is read the room because if you ask it for money that you know don't exist, sis, what you like, you just frustrated or whatever the case may be. And, you know, check in about that. So, um, yeah, I think we covered it. So what are some examples of benefits you could give people that might make up for not being able to give a pay raise? I would say the immediate thing is like a flexible schedule, right? Like you can't afford to specifically pay them some six, seven figure salary. I mean, it's six figure. If you make it seven figures, you ain't about to work for me. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to do that. But um, uh, I've had people who like reject and have rejected like, well, I'll like, would you want to present? like to do this work to get us there and I'm like I wish our people understood like how that goes like you keep this stock in perpetuity I mean you gotta earn it though do not be out here Let's, I'm looking right there my real entrepreneurs <laughs> look me in my face let me look right in this camera do not be out here offering everybody stock when they ain't working Right, like there is a level of complacency that gets in when a, when a person know they about they could walk away with whatever amount of money, right? Like because they're gonna own that forever. How you have to build in safety nets for yourself. I also know that a lot of times, black women especially, we feel this obscene pressure. And I'm talking to myself, really. I'm looking at myself, and I'm looking at myself. <laughs> we feel an obscene pressure to take care of everybody without looking at what we can actually do. So you do have to come up with the person like, all right, we're in this micro land. Girl, you know, we don't got but a hundred clients. So we only doing, you know, 10, maybe $15,000 in sales for the month. 
I can't give you a $7,500 income. Like, I, how how I'm supposed to pay that, baby? Like, But it could $5, be like a spa day, right? Like, but, so we yeah. did, I remember we, we shut the, the whole company down and we took everyone to the spa and they had services and it was great. Like, I remember a few of my staff members saying, like, this that was their first time being at an actual spa and having services and how memorable that was. Like, we did a full, complete spa day. We had food, and it was a time for us to just bond and kind of get to know each other outside of work. Um, so things like that because, you know, it may be a $2,000 investment, you know, or lunch or, you know, Travel. just things. Getting Sorry. to know your team, I think, is so important. No, like getting to know your team, right? Like one, I know someone who loves Starbucks. Every day that I come in, this person has Starbucks every day, right? I was like, here's a hundred dollars Starbucks gift card, and they literally like, thank you so much, right? And it was random because I believe in like doing things randomly. I do not believe in rewarding people for bad work ethic or bad behavior. But when you are truly showing up, you have to be seen and rewarded, and and. Sometimes, and you also, you got to get to know your people because it's not always about the pay, right? And, like, you have to understand how people like to be recognized because I've had people that are like, you know, I just want to be recognized. I just want, like, a shout-out. or So I think as a leader, it's important for you to really understand the people that you're working with. And that's so important because I hear so many times I speak with founders and, like, just people, and they're like, oh, I don't know anything about, like, so-and-so. And I'm like... This person, like, drives your vision for what you're building. How don't you know anything about them? So I've, I think that's interesting. I think I always say, like, the one thing I can relate to you first is we're human beings. That doesn't mean that I can't be, like, empathetic or compassionate to your situation because people will try to, like, run that line up to, like, well, you know, I'm going through this. And I'm like, while I understand that, you made a commitment to the company right and and our core values and you know our credo and what drives us so you not showing up to work on time doesn't really live in our company values because people will try that too and i think we've learned especially you know as women and you're like oh was that too hard but it's like this is a business right and don't do that here because you wouldn't do that in these larger companies so let's not try that so basically right and like Melissa just said was the real cute version of the kim k Get your ass up and work. <laughs> ah! <laughs> they tried to take this out for that. They tried to take this out for that. But it's you know like it's 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 real, right? Like you get up and work, and you do for it. I would just say like give yourself the permission to make the noise. Do not feel uncomfortable talking about money. Don't don't talk about the bread. Go ahead, talk about what you need you can't stay at a company if you're not being taken care of right like mm -hmm. especially when you know you're contributing to that company talk about the bread and and give the person an, an honest opportunity to discuss with you and because if you feel like you're being taken advantage of it's probably not only happening with money but make sure that you're checking in with your mental health that do you just personally feel taken advantage of by your life? And is that actually happening? Because my yes. therapist has always told me, and my therapist is my cousin, uh, <laughs> are you, your feelings can be valid but inaccurate. And hmm. yes, they, they're valid. They belong to you. They are real. But 
you being actually taken advantage of is inaccurate. And I've had that conversation with employees before. Like, I'm, I don't know where you want the money to come from because you're asking me for a six-figure-plus salary, and I ain't got that, sis. So, um, here we are. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> and that, but don't be afraid <laughs> to make the weights. And, you know, for the employee, anyone that's an employee that's listening, right, before you go have a conversation with your boss, there's a difference between busy and actually working efficiently. Because I find that there's a disconnect between what people think they are actually doing and what they're doing, Mm -hmm. right? And that's very important as well. Um, Because I believe in a 30, 60, 90, six-month and an annual review so that we can document and really look at your progress and your goals. Um, but in closing, with our closing tip, and it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I hope you found so much value in this. Um, we want to leave you with this quote, and it was it was from one of my managers, and I still live by this to today. I am the least important person in the company. Don't get caught up in the title. Get caught up in the body of work. Amen. That spoke to me. That spoke to me. Hold on. Say that one more time. Not the hands. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Um, I hit my spirit. <laughs> She's never letting this wig go. I'm old. Don't get caught up in the title. Get caught up in the body of work. Hallelujah. That spoke. That spoke. Get the job done. Come on. All right. Now we need that Skims partnership. Because I like that little (laughs) trust that they had, girl. Because come on. Let's Let's get the job done. Let's get the job done and then the titles can title, right? Like, please. All right. Tune in to us next week. We look forward to speaking with you. See y'all later. Episode three. That's a wrap. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.